Through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. He is the very glue that holds everything together. And one day he's going to release that, and it's all going to vaporize. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Today, our scripture says, All things were made through him, and without him, Nothing was made that was made. The Word created all things that were created. Therefore, He Himself is an uncreated being. The Word is the source of all life, not only biological life, but the very principle of life. That power which creates life and maintains all else, in essence, was the Logos, the Word, or better known as Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Rob's teaching for today. And so let's go ahead and get into this morning John's Gospel. Last week we looked at the uh, an introduction really to the Gospel of John because John was a unique character and his Gospel is very unique among the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke cover similar material from different vantage points, of course, but the Gospel of John stands out as unique because it really presents Jesus as the Word of God and that the Word was God. And Jesus is God. And that message right there is really what separates everything in the world from Christianity. Because we believe, in, we believe that Jesus died for our sin. God in the flesh paid the price for mine and your sin. That fact alone is, folks, that's everything. Do you understand? I mean, it really is everything. Because here's the thing. If, if he didn't come and save us, if he didn't redeem us, if he wasn't God in the flesh, then seriously, we're, we're wasting our time. Everything we've been doing, everything the church has been doing for the last 2,000 years has been a grave waste of time and a great deception. In fact, even before Christ was born, they were looking forward to his coming. The Old Testament prophets prophesying specifically, hundreds of prophecies of specific things about him when he would come. And they too have wasted their time if Jesus is not the Messiah, the Son of the living God, God in the flesh. Does that make sense? And see, you and I are very well taught. Pastor Jeff had taught us for years, and hopefully I'm carrying on that very same thing. It's important that we know these things, and we know them well. You know, I remember watching a a football game one time, actually a Super Bowl, 
And, the, and my point is, fundamentals are important. And, and this is why I'm bringing this up. I was watching the Super Bowl, and the, the score was tied. And, the, and it was coming down right to the very end, the last few seconds of the game, and the quarterback threw the ball, and the guy caught it, and he's like at the 20-yard line, and he's running, and he's running. And the guy behind him failed at the fundamentals. He could have tackled him, and they probably still would have won because they would hit a field goal. But my point is, he reached out and he just kind of grabbed, he just kind of, he, he leaped forward and he just kind of grabbed his legs, but it, but it was just kind of like a, he didn't even put his hands together. My point in this, is this, in the very beginnings, for those of you guys who have taken football, what do they tell you when you tackle somebody? You grab the legs and you enclose them and hold them in like this. And you see so many of these fundamental things being ignored. And that's the difference in a Super Bowl championship. Fundamentals. And fundamentals for you and I are just as important. And what we're talking about today is the fundamentals of Christianity. This is what sets us apart. This is why we are who we are. This is why he is who he is. These are fundamentals. And even though you may have heard or even read this gospel a number of times, I want you to approach it this morning and while we're in John with fresh eyes and a fresh heart. Let it challenge you again. And let the review of this get deeper and deeper and deeper into your heart so that in your very being, you know these things like you know, every, like you know anything else. Like you know them better than anything else. Because here's the deal. When I know the fundamentals really well, They are right on the top of my lips. They're right on top of my heart, and I'm easily sharing them. And the fundamentals is what people need. What separates a professional, even a professional athlete, from a non-professional is hopefully a professional has mastered the basics, the fundamentals. And those who do really well, they know the fundamentals really, really well. They don't spend all their time doing trick shots and learning how to do that. No, they learn the fundamentals, and they know them so well. And just by knowing the fundamentals, believe it or not, it puts them in a whole different league from those who don't really focus on the fundamentals. Does that make any sense? I've learned that in my own life. Fundamentals are very important. And that's why we study this book. That's why we study the Bible. And remember, John's theme really is recorded for us in the 20th chapter, in the 31st verse. And notice what John says. He says, but these things are written, (coughs) excuse me, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in his name. In fact, that's the whole crux of the whole gospel. Everything that we're going to read in this gospel is going to be cherry-picked, and God is going to be showing us that only God can do these things. Only God can do these things. Only God can speak to a blind man and have him see. Only God can speak and things happen. Let's look at verse 1. We looked at verse 1. Last week, we're going to quickly review it and go on, hopefully finish the 18 verses. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We know that God didn't have a beginning. But in the beginning, in our beginning, when, when the creation was created, when, when if you remember, what did it say in Genesis chapter 1? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That means if he created the heavens and the earth, he had to pre-exist to create it. Right, So he had to be there in the beginning 
to create what he created that we're all enjoying. He had to be there, and he was. It's in our beginning, but God is without end. He is without end. And in the beginning was the word. This word is the Greek word logos. We looked at this last week too. It's the very thought, the very expression of God. Remember when Jesus said to Philip, because Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and it suffices us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Jesus is the Logos. He is the representation of God the Father. They are equal. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are all one. They are all one. And we looked at John chapter, uh, or the first epistle, John's first epistle. It says, there are three that bear record and witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. Even those of you who grew up in a Catholic background, you knew very well there was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And John is saying there's the Father, the Word, the Logos, and the Holy Spirit. The same thing. Who is the Logos? It's Jesus Christ. He is the Logos. He's the very representation of God. He's the, uh, a logo as something that represents something else, isn't it? When you see the Apple logo, you know what you're expecting. You're going to buy an iPhone. <laughs> you know what you're expecting when you see that. When you see the golden arches, you know what you're expecting. When you see Jesus Christ, and again, these are bad comparisons because no one can compare to him. But when you see him, that's why he said to Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Everything that I am, my character, I mean, think of the load that would be. Even a sense of humor is, equi- is, is, is like God's sense of humor. Do you think God has a sense of humor? I think he does. We see some of it recorded in the Gospels for us. But he is the word. When he came back, or when he comes back in the second coming, what did it say? We just looked at this. A few weeks ago, when we were in Revelation chapter 19, when Jesus returns, it says he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God, the Logos of God. That's who he is. He's the representation. And he was with God, it says in verse 1. The Word was with God. He was there in the beginning. There was no competition. There was no separateness. They were all unique. But they were, there was unity in the Trinity A very difficult concept. Children seem to understand it, but adults, we have a problem with it. And notice, the word was God. Whoever this word is, is God Almighty in the flesh. And we looked at how the the cults have twisted that, Jehovah's Witnesses, how they've twisted that verse and created a whole new doctrine. They don't know who Jesus is. And see, people need to know who Jesus is, because even within Protestant churches, there's a different Jesus being portrayed. It's not the Jesus of the Bible, necessarily. Don't assume when you walk into a church today that you're going to be, uh, the, the real Jesus is going to be presented to you. Because if it's not in the Word of God, it's not the real Jesus. If they try to talk about a Jesus that's okay with you living in sin, and it's okay that you drink, and it's okay that you're having an adulterous relationship. After all, God's a God of love. He knows how you feel. That's a different Jesus that they're preaching. But that's not the Jesus of the Bible. 
I find it ironic that we in America have been so blessed with so many materials, so many biblical resources, and yet we can still be one of the most biblically illiterate nations in the world. In the world around us, in the country that we live in, many are biblically illiterate. They don't know what we're talking about. And so how important is it? It's very important. Notice in verse 2 it says, he was in the beginning, this word, now we see that it's a he. So we know that this word is a he. Of course, we already know, the cat's already out of the bag. We know that Jesus is the word. But it says, he was in the beginning with God. He was in the beginning. In Hebrews it says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Notice that. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. In Isaiah 57, verse 15, one of my favorite verses that speak of God's pre-incarnate being, it says, For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity. God inhabits eternity. He always has. I've always had a real, sometimes, have you thought about this? It just kind of makes your head go like like a kernel of popcorn when you think about God always was. Think about going back billions of years. He was there. He was there, and he was, he was content. But yet he desired fellowship, and he made all of the heavens and the earth, and he created man specifically on the planet. We're the only ones, folks, in the universe that has life. Nothing else in the universe, because of where it would be located, could sustain life. You'd freeze to death or you'd burn up. We are a privileged planet And God saw it so. But he, thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place to him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Jesus is the uncreated one. The devil even was created, but Jesus was never created. He was uncreated. (laughs) He's always been the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's one I can trust. The one who has been around. The one who is benevolent, truly benevolent. In John's gospel, in the 17th chapter, in Jesus' high priestly prayer, he said this in verse 5. He says, And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself and with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Before the world was. And then in verse 24 of that same chapter, he says, Father, I desire, desire that they also, speaking of the church, that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you love me before the foundation of the world. He always was. I find great, great comfort in that, that we're not some mistake We're not some mistake. In the Bible, we even see, we know that Jesus became incarnate as a human being through the Virgin Mary. But even before his incarnation at the birth of Christ through Mary, Jesus wasn't limited in the incarnation. The Bible tells us, even in Genesis 18, it talks about pre-incarnate visitations of Jesus Christ. We call them theophanies, where clearly God is standing before 
Someone like Abraham. We don't have time to read it, but I would encourage you to put in the margin of your Bible, Genesis 18. Read it. These three angels that come, one of them is God. One of them is Jehovah. One of them is Jesus Christ. And you look at the words there, and it's amazing when it says, and the Lord said, that's Jehovah. That's what it says. God, Jesus Christ, in a pre-incarnate form, was talking to Abraham before the, the other two angels destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham worshipped him. This could only mean that Jesus is God. He's Almighty God. You recall in Joshua chapter 5, before the children of Israel, before Joshua went into going to Jericho to destroy it, that a commander of the army of the Lord stood before him. And then it says in Joshua 5, verse 14, that Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped him and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army, who we believe is a pre-incarnate visitation of Jesus Christ, said, take your sandal off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Jesus Christ, he was not limited even in his incarnation. He came before, and he also came after. When we see in uh, Acts chapter 23, as Paul is standing before the council in Jerusalem, before he would finally be sent to Rome, where he would be beheaded by Nero. While he was still in Jerusalem, what does it say in Acts 23? But the following night the Lord stood by Paul and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. And so I picked those verses specifically, because can you see how cool it is? His in, he, he, even before he came into the form of man as, as, as in, the, in the birth of Mary, through the birth of Mary, Jesus visited the earth and different individuals at different times in the Old Testament. Then he became incarnate. And even after his resurrection, after his death, after his resurrection, and even after his ascension, he's still visiting people like Paul. The Lord stood by him and said, Paul, you must go before and and bear witness in Jerusalem, but you must also go to Rome. Is he limited by human flesh? He's not. And if he is God, I would expect that to be so. He could peer in at any time. What a privilege that would be. Amen? Amen. In verse 3, it says, And all things were made through him, and without him nothing nothing was made that was made. That'll twist your brain a little bit. What does it say in Colossians? Paul writing to them, he said, Jesus, he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created. Notice, by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, principalities or powers. All things were created through him and in him, through him and in him. Jesus is the one. God the Father saw fit to say, you know what, son? You do it. He created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God, Elohim. And he is before all things. And all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him, all things consist. He is the very glue that holds everything together. And one day he's going to release that. And it's all going to vaporize. Peter tells that in fervent heat. And then he will create a new heavens and new earth. 
wherein dwells righteousness, where you and I will be for eternity. How's that? You looking forward to that? I'm really looking forward to that. There's nothing, is there anything, show of hands, is it, raise your hand if there's anything in this life that's really going to compare to what's coming. Just raise your hand. Well, of course, nobody's going to raise their hand, right? Ushers, grab that man and that woman. Take them in the back and counsel them severely. <laughs> no, 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 no. God is amazing. It's through him, through him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6, he says, Yet for, for us there is one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through, through whom are all things and through whom we live. He made all things. And even though he made all things, it doesn't necessarily mean that those things that he created are, uh, especially in the fallen state that they are now, they don't adequately represent the, the attributes, the nature of God. You know, certainly God is in nature, and he's in all the things that he created, but is it, is it the perfect representation of him? No, not in the fallen state. When you look at nature, <laughs> it's kind of cruel, isn't it? Think of the laws of nature. You can have a saint walk off a cliff by accident, and the same thing happens to him as the guy who was a, a, a serial killer who walks off the same cliff. He dies the same way. There, there's no justice, really. The laws of nature are the laws of nature that God created. And you look at the animal kingdom. Is there grace in the animal kingdom? No, it's survival of the fittest. Is that a great representation of God? No, it's not. Notice verse 4, in him was life. In Jesus, in the Logos, was life. The word is Zoe, life. If you've got a name Zoe, your name means life. Yeah, means life. And notice, and the life was the light of men. And this light, this word literally means moral. It's referring to all things moral and spiritually pure and of the truth. And when the very life of Jesus is in you, you truly are living, and it's like you are seeing everything around you in a very different lens. Isn't that true for you? When I got saved, all of a sudden, it's like my glasses changed. And I put on a new set of glasses, and all of a sudden, everything looked different. It was literally that way. Is that way for you? Because you're looking through a different lens now. The very Spirit of God in you. Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says, If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am you may also be, and where I go you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said to him, Lord, how do we know where you are going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. I am the Zoe. I am the life. I'm the life. In every possible facet of that life, I am. Physical, spiritual, perfection. I am all of that. That's what Jesus said. And notice back in our text, and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend or the literal meaning is the the darkness didn't overcome the light. Darkness cannot overcome or overpower the light. In Ephesians 5, it says, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light for whatever makes manifest is light. Whenever something is exposed, that is light. That is light. And so I don't get upset when something is going on in my life and, and, and it's exposed. Whatever that is, is light. And God loves you 
so much that he's not willing to have you go on in darkness. And at times he will expose those things. That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.